Would you turn with me please this morning to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Hebrews chapter 6. Now if you haven't been with us in the Friday evening services, and I realize some of you it's not uh, always easy for you to do that, or maybe the Lord didn't even lead you to do that, but I, I, I believe we are on a good track. We've been teaching for four sessions now on truth or tradition. And uh, the Lord has been giving me some light I hadn't seen before along this line. And he asked me a question this past week. And when I say he asked me a question, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me distinctly I knew what he was communicating to my heart. He said, uh, are Christians upset about what upsets me? And just some interesting things. Uh, and we, we dealt with that Friday night and saw what really bothered him. And it's not what a lot of people are harping about. Somebody said, what is it? Well, that's another message. But uh, I'm just saying, if you have an opportunity, we're, we believe the foundation of the church is being laid in these uh, early sessions here. And I want, it, I want to dig through the sand and the muck and the junk and tr the tradition and rules of men that are not godly and get to the solid rock of the truth, of the real Word of God, real Christianity. I want to see Jesus for who He really is. I want to be just like Him. Don't you? Amen. Amen. Uh, now, something else that I need to say, and I know I keep, uh, and I'm hoping this time goes on, I won't take as much time saying all these extra things, but there's a lot of things that need to be said right now. Uh, the Lord said to me two major things about the church. I'm believing Him for direction. One, He said, sanctify, dedicate this place to me. And we have, and we are, and we will. It's His place. Yes. Amen. Secondly, He said to me, He said, this will be a place of refreshing and renewal. And, and I knew while I was praying, there's going to be a lot of people that come through. We may see them once a month. We may see them once every two weeks. We may see them once every three months, once every year. Uh, I mean, Branson is just kind of like that anyway. But the Lord put on my heart about ministering to ministers. There's going to be a lot of ministers. And when I say ministers, I don't just mean pastors and evangelists. There's a lot of different kinds of ministers and ministries that will come in that are weary, that are tired, and not because of me, but because of God. Because it's the plan of God, they'll be refreshed. They'll be quickened. Get, get, a, get a fresh vision and a fresh zeal and fervor to serve the Lord. I'm telling you that because I want you to pray with us about this. Believe with us about these things. And also I'm telling you that because we're not the kind of folks that you, you can only be hooked up with us. And not somebody else. It's fine if we're not your only church. Understand what I'm saying? It's fine if you've got a, you've got a ministry of your own and we don't see you, uh, you know, all the time. Uh, the body's big. And we're all in this together. And we understand we're not the only thing going. Amen. <laughs> so uh, uh, part, the word uses the word partner. Uh, the Bible uses the word partner. And that just means, just what it says, partner. If you're a partner, you have a part. You take a part in the responsibility for the place going, and then you get a part of the reward for what the place did. You pray for the place, you believe for the place, you support the place, and then you get a, any, anytime somebody walks the aisle, anytime a preacher gets refreshed, and we're, we're branching out. We're on the radio. We're going to get on TV right away. Amen. I'm talking about the church, Faith Life Church. We're believing for we're believing for some of these great big screens, you know, that you put up in the cameras, and we're going to buy some time. And uh, you better watch it. This place is going to fill up. Amen. 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 And you'll have to come early, get you a good seat. And uh, anyway, I won't, I won't share all the vision with you right now, but I, we have some. Okay, Hebrews six. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 11. We're glad we're in Branson. We wondered about it at first, I'll have to be honest with you. <laughs> Hebrews 6. <laughs> My wife said, well, where am I going to get this and where am I going to get that? I said, well, they have a super Walmart. <laughs> and some way or another that didn't console her completely. But the Lord's good to us. Hebrews 6 and verse 11. 
The Lord said through the word here, We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. In other words, stay diligent, stay after it, all the way to the end. Verse 12, That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Be not slothful, but followers or imitators of those who through faith and patience or perseverance inherit the promises. Then he goes on to tell us about Abraham and how God spoke to Abraham. He'd be the father of many nations. Did that happen the next week after he told him that? No. What about the next year? No. no. He kept getting older. Sarah kept getting older. Kept looking like they're getting further and further from it. But he didn't quit. He didn't give up. And she didn't give up and quit. And that's why he's saying, don't be slothful. Don't be lazy, but be diligent and stay after it all the way to the end. You know, it's not enough to believe God real good for four days and quit. I mean, you can believe God and have strong faith like a house of fire for two weeks. And then if you quit at the end of two weeks and just give up and say, well, I don't know what happened to that, but it didn't, it didn't work. You get exactly the same results as if you hadn't believed God at all. It's not enough to just believe God real strong. What do you got to do? You got to believe God until. I've had people ask me, well, Brother Keith, I've been standing for this for, for three months. What do I do now? Do you have it? Do you see it? Has it happened in your life? Then what do you do? Stay after it. Having done all to stand, do what? Stand. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Listen to the uh, another uh, version of the, another translation of this verse. Verse 12 in the NIV says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Everybody say lazy. lazy. In the Amplified, it says it like this. He said that you may not grow disinterested. And become spiritual sluggards. Slothful, lazy, sluggard. Don't do that, he said. But be imitators, behaving as those who through faith and by practice of patient endurance are and waiting are now inheriting the promises. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight. The good fight of faith. I mean, if you came and you saw somebody laying across the sofa with a big glass of iced tea and they're just kicked back and laying there, you said, What are you doing? They said, Fighting. <laughs> I'm fighting. Whew. Would you believe them? Uh uh. The, the, the title of my message this morning is. The big cop-out. The big cop-out. I looked up cop-out in the dictionary. Make sure it was a legitimate phrase. And it, it's there and it means to back out of unwanted responsibility. It means to avoid and neglect problems and responsibilities and commitments. You ever seen anybody cop out, back off of responsibilities? Well, friend, in Christian circles, there is a big cop out, a huge cop out. People have, by the millions, neglected and refused responsibility for their own life. And people have relegated everything, including all failures, to the mysterious will of God. And people say, well, you know, 
It's kind of like the case, Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see. But is it that way? Is everything predetermined? And it has to be that way no matter what we do or don't do? Is everything that happens the will of God? Let's just go to the most basic thing. It's a sad fact that people are dying without Jesus on the planet. Dying lost. Is that the will of God? But it happens. If God would allow something that serious to happen that's not His will, somebody say, how do you know it's not His will? The Scripture plainly says He's not willing that any should perish. Right? Well, if it's not His will, isn't He omnipotent? Doesn't He have all power? If it's not His will, why would they die lost? Because He has given us a free will. He has given us the right to choose. And all the terrible things that are happening in this earth, all of the war, the famine, the destruction, all of the junk, the horrible, terrible things that are happening are all because man has a free will and has chosen wrongly. Chosen. Don't you believe it'd be a different planet if everybody chose to serve God and follow His will? And do you remember that Jesus taught us and said, Pray, Thy will be done. How? On earth, as it is, in heaven. Does God have two separate wills? One will for heaven, great and good and, 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 and glorious. Another will for the earth that includes all the tragedy. And ju- Does God have two, di- two different wills? Here's another thing that would give you insight. If the will of God was completely and fully being done in the earth, then why would we need to pray that it would be done? Are you with me? Now, what are you saying, Brother Key? I'm saying, and the Bible says, that there's a whole lot of things that are happening in the earth that are not God's will, does not please Him. Now, when it comes to us as individuals, we have a responsibility for our own life and our own family and our own things to believe God, to use our faith. And it's a strange contrast and contradiction that some people that are such hard workers, I mean, they, they, they are death on anybody that's lazy. I mean, they're up at the crack of dawn and they work and they work and they put in 12 and 16 and 18 hour days. And I mean, they work and work and work, but spiritually they are a lazy sluggard. Did you hear me? Partly because of ignorance and some people just out of rebellion. They don't want it that way. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, any, when it comes to do with the spiritual side of life, they want somebody to do all my praying for me. Somebody to do all my believing for me. Well, that's what I pay the pastor for. <laughs> Wrong. And you know, we can help each other. You know, there's some people, bless their heart, every time you see them, they want you to pray for them. Someone say, what's wrong with that? Well, let me explain it to you. What if you broke your leg or something, God forbid, but, but you had a problem and, and you, you were down a little bit. And, and I came over, and this, this would be a miracle too, I guess, but I came over and said, you know, I'm going to do your laundry for you. <laughs> or I'm going to cut your grass. But you know, six months later, you're perfectly healed. You're perfectly healthy. There's not a thing wrong with you, but you still want me to do your laundry. Well, Brother Keith, you going to be over this evening to cut my grass? What should I say to you? No, you big lazy rascal. You cut your own grass, right? Do your own. Well, spiritually, it's exactly the same way. A lot of folk are just lazy spiritually. I always want you to pray for them. Well, why don't you do your own praying? Now, there are times when people need help, right? 
They're down. They're at a low spot. They need help. Okay, let's help them. Let's pray with them. Let's use our faith to help them. But don't be asking people to pray for you and believe for you for every little thing that you can pray for yourself. You want to get strong enough to where you're not asking for help all the time. You are help. Amen. You're, you're, you're helping other people pray. You're helping other folk. So, uh, you know, the next, sometime, next time somebody grabs your hand and says, pray for me. You need to analyze, are they able to pray for themselves? Pray for what? Well, when it comes to believing God, people have taken a position, like I said, either because of ignorance or sometimes rebellion, that, well, I'm just leaving it up to God. Just whatever His will is. Well, there's a problem here because you can't leave to God what He has left to you. Kind of like playing checkers. You know, if somebody's not paying attention and the other guy you're playing with, you looked out the window and he moved. And you look back and you're waiting on him to move. So you sit there and you sit there and you watch him and you watch him and you're thinking, oh, come on, man. Don't take all day. Move. And you sit there for five minutes and you finally speak up and say, go ahead and move. He said, I moved five minutes ago. You thought you were waiting on him. He's waiting on you. Man, that's the, that's the situation with so many Christians. They think they're waiting on God. And he's not. When's God going to do something about my healing? When's God going to do something about meeting my needs? When's God going to do something about getting me out of this problem? God has already moved. And what a move it was. He moved in Jesus Amen. He laid all of our sins on Jesus. The price has been paid. He took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, carried our pains. Chastisement of our peace was on him, was made poor for us. He's moved. Whose move is it now? And again and again, you'll find that when you think you're waiting on him, he's really waiting on you. I mean, in life and ministry, Phyllis and I have seen this. So there have been times we've been praying for something, believing for something, and we thought, well, okay, God, you know, any time would be good. And come to find out, when things begin to happen, you realize, I wasn't ready for that. I thought I was ready for that last year, but I wasn't ready for that. He gave it to me just as soon as I could handle it. I've seen that again and again and again, and turn, it turns out he was waiting on me. If I'd have been ready sooner, it would have happened sooner. Turn with me, please, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Said out loud, fight the good fight of faith. Is that just being passive, waiting to see if God wants to do something? No. Waiting on God. No. When you, when you think about the people in the scripture that got miracles, like the woman with the issue of blood. Anybody remember reading about her? Mark chapter 5. You know, suffered many things and many physicians. Uh, nothing better. Spent all she had. Nothing better. Grew worse. She heard of Jesus. She pressed through the crowd. And touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And power flowed out of Jesus into her. She was healed. Now, now get the rest of the story. She just went back into the crowd. Jesus stopped in his tracks. And he said, Who touched me? Who? Jesus was not having a healing meeting. He just walking down the road. She didn't even ask if she could touch. She didn't even ask if it was his will for her to be healed. She just came and took a healing. Didn't she? Didn't even ask. I'm so glad some of these unbelieving preachers didn't get to her first and say it might not be the will of God. I'm so glad some of these confused theologians didn't get to her first and tell her, well, now, sister, you just sit and don't, don't be out pushing around. We don't know if it's the will of God. You just stay in your house and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> and just wait and see if it's the Lord's will Amen. or not. If she'd have done that, she wouldn't be in the Bible. She, nothing would have happened. 
She took the initiative. Amen. She wasn't spiritually lazy. Even in her weakened, sick condition, I mean something inside her caused her to believe that if she could just get to the anointing, just get to Jesus, she could be healed and set free. And so she pushed and she pressed and she believed and she pushed and she pressed and she reached, fought the crowd, fought public opinion, fought her own weakness, and she touched and received and took a healing. You can see one reason why she might have been a little apprehensive because she thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, I didn't even ask if it would be okay. And Jesus said, who did it? Who did it? And finally she saw she couldn't be healed, came, fell down before him, told him all the truth and what she did. He said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith. What? Your faith. Your faith. Your faith. Now see, theologians and some folk would say, well, no, maybe it should read God and his sovereignty has decided to heal you. Well, if the Lord had wanted to say that, He would have said it. Hmm? (laughs) What did He say? Where did Jesus put the emphasis? On the individual's faith. Where should we put the emphasis? There are so many things that are the will of God. So many things that God wants to do for people, but you must believe Him. Amen? You, You must... You, and you must not be, sit down passively and say, well, it's just whatever, whatever the Lord wants. Well, no, you have a responsibility to find out what He wants and then go for it. Everybody say, go for it. Go for it. Ephesians 5, have you found your place? Ephesians 5, and beginning, let's see, in verse 14. Ephesians 5, 14 says, wherefore He says, awake. Thou that sleepest, wake up. Everybody just do this with me. Just clap your hands together and say, wake up. Wake up! Some folk needed that literally. Wake wake up! Would you have to tell Christians that? Why would you need to tell Christians, wake up? Wake, thou that sleepest. And rise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Most of the world, the the Lord spoke this to my heart years ago. He said, most of the world, most of the people on the earth are either dead or asleep. What do you mean by that? Spiritually dead. Don't have a clue what's going on. Or there are many that are saved, but they're asleep. Have you ever looked at a dead person laying somewhere and somebody that's in a deep sleep laying beside them? They look real similar. <laughs> and then a lot of Christians, you can't tell them much from the people that's spiritually dead. Oh, but friend, there's a few. And there's getting more all the time that are not only alive, they're awake. I said they're awake. They know what's going on. They know what time we're living in. They they know what God's doing in the earth. They know what He wants to do. Amen? And they're a part of it. And they're not just sitting idly and passively by, relegating everything to the unknown will of God. They are rising up and aggressively pursuing, amen, the will of God, using their faith to receive, using their faith to resist what's not right, and staying after it until... Look at this, keep reading. He says, verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but what? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Is it okay to just say, well, who knows what His will is? Who know, And who can understand the Bible? Whew. I mean, if theologians argue over it, how am I going to figure it out? You're not. Don't try. You have the teacher, the one who wrote it, inside you. Amen. And what makes a good teacher is not just somebody who understands something, but somebody who can make you to understand it. Somebody who can put it on your life. God talks uh, 
Branson English. Or Alabama Southern. Amen. Or or Northeastern Yankee. He, He talks whatever you do. And he knows exactly how to cause you to understand. Amen. You need to believe that when you read the Bible, you can understand. Now, you're not going to get it all. None of us has it all. But you can get some. You can get some more understanding and some more clarity. You can understand when the preacher's preaching. You can understand. Say, I can understand. I can understand. You know, I taught in Bible school for years. And I used to lead my students every morning in a confession. I'd have them say, I'm quick. I'm bright. I'm sharp. Good looking, very rich, and a major blessing. <laughs> some, thought, though, they, some people thought, well, he's just being funny. No, I'm serious. You want to say it? Yes. Say it out loud, I'm quick. I'm, quick. I'm, bright. I'm bright. I'm sharp. I'm sharp. Good, looking. Good looking. Very rich. Very rich. And, a major and a major blessing. Yeah. Amen. Believe it. Say it again and again throughout the week. Anytime you think about things like that. And when you read scripture and you don't understand it at all, don't just say, boy, that's too hard to understand. No, just stop right there and say, I'm quick. I'm sharp. I can understand everything I need to understand. And that works if you're going to school. If you're 10 or if you're 45. Amen? Or if you're trying to learn a new program on the computer or whatever the case might be. Do never say, I can't learn this. This is too hard. Amen. Your words will bind you up and darken your understanding. Never tell your children that that's too hard for them. You know, that's one thing I'll always be thankful for my parents. I mean, from the time I was a little bitty guy, they told me every time I turned around that I could do anything. Amen. I remember coming in from the yard, playing with my trucks, and I said, you know, I want to be an astronaut. They didn't look at me and go, well, now, baby, very few people get to be asked. You know what they told me? They, they sat me down and said, well, you could be. You'd have to work real hard. You'd have to apply yourself. And I marched out of there thinking, I could be an astronaut. <laughs> there were later in my childhood, I came in and said similar things. To always enforce to your children, faith is one of the biggest keys to being able to learn. If you start saying that you're slow, never, ever, ever, ever call your children slow. I don't care how many doctors told you they were slow. Amen. I'm talking to somebody now. Well, they're slow. I mean, treat that like the worst profanity that would ever come out of your mouth. I mean, you absolutely cut off the power of God and help from your child. Mm Mm-mm. I don't care if they act like that they're the slowest child in the class. You talk over them. My child is quick. They're sharp. They catch on fast. They can learn anything. Put your words on it. Don't just sit back and say, well, God decided to give me this special child and, and this is just the way they are and I just have to accept the will of God. No! 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 No. No. God didn't cripple anybody. God didn't deform anybody's brain. Did you hear me? I tell you what, He can heal them though. I said He can heal them. He can heal some friends of mine down in Miami just not long ago. Had a little baby was born. Uh, Brain was was no bigger than a quarter. And I mean just blind and deaf. And they, 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 they tried to get them to just abort the child. Do you know that child is in his own class today, bright and sharp, can see, can hear, just like any normal child? Amazing miracle. God caused that brain to just develop. Hallelujah. How many believe all things are possible to him that believes? But you can't just sit idly by and go, well... It's whatever it is to be. No. What did the Bible say? Don't be unwise, but what? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Amplified says, don't be vague. Well, just whatever. Don't be vague. This is the Bible. Is this the New Testament I'm reading now? Don't be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understand and firmly grasp 
what the will of the Lord is. Now this is, all, this is also some correction for some problems in the so-called faith camp. Some people will say, well, then faith, the first thing that you decide is what you want. Wrong. First thing that you've got to find is the will of God. That's right. Amen. Yes. Now you don't just sit idly by and say, well, just whatever is to be. No. Can you see that we have a responsibility to find the will of God? Yes. To understand what the will of the Lord is. So what do you do? Go to church. Hear messages. Get in the Bible. Study. Pray. Say, Lord, show me what your will is on this thing. Why? Because you cannot have faith. You cannot stand until you know the will of God. Right? You're going to be challenged on things. I mean, if the Lord tells you to start a business, if He tells you to go and hook up with a church or ministry, if He tells you to believe for your healing, tells you to believe for your child... Uh, nothing in the Word says that it's just going to all go smooth and happen overnight. You're told that you got an adversary. Hmm? You're told you're going to have to stand and not quit and not give up. And you cannot stand if in the middle of the, the thing that the thought comes, well, now, are you sure that this is the will of God? Well, I don't know. Then it is impossible for you to have faith. you got to get that first. Before you can even take your stand of faith. So, do you understand a lot of people are praying too quick? Well, let's just claim this. Let's just believe. No, what's number one? Let's get the will of God. Amen. From the Word and from the Spirit. Let's get it settled in our heart. You know, it took us a little doing to get to straighten our spirit that we were supposed to come to Branson. And we were supposed to believe and get this place. I didn't get that settled overnight. And I didn't try to do it before I got it settled. Because I knew I'm going to have to believe God. Hmm? I'm going to have to stand and believe God. I can't get into this and have a couple of big bills hit me and go, Boy, I wonder if it's really the will of God. <laughs> and you know, people that you think would know better. Ministers are telling me, Well, you just get in there and just see how it goes. And if it goes good, then you know it's the will of God. And if you flop, then you know it wasn't the will of God. That is being a spiritual sluggard. It's being lazy and not taking your responsibility. Now we got to find that out before we come to Branson. Hmm? Before I sell all my stuff. <laughs> huh? I had a good setup there in Tulsa. Before I, before I sell everything and liquidate and blast out, and I need to know I've heard from God. I know he told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and no branch is part of that, but that's something I've got to get from him directly in my spirit as to exactly what part of the world. And you've got to do the same thing. Should I open another branch? Should I marry this individual? Should I do this? Well, whatever you do, it's going to take faith to see it through. You're going to have to believe God. And for you to be able to believe God, what's got to happen first? What, what do you stand on? What's your foundation? The revealed will of God. Amen. Amen. You get it from His Word. You get it from His Spirit. Can you say amen? amen? Don't be unwise, but know what the will of the Lord is. Turn to Proverbs 18, please. Have you got a few more minutes? But if you get enough, if you get full and you want to leave, that's okay. Just smile and go, I've got enough. <laughs> if you want some more, hang on. Proverbs 18. Say it out loud while you're turning there. I am not, I am not a, spiritual a spiritual sluggard. I refuse, I refuse to be lazy, be lazy. spiritually. Just keep talking. Say, I'll find the will of God. I'll lay hold of the will of God. I'll stand my ground as long as it takes. And I'll see the will of God done in my life. Amen. Amen. You know the scripture, you know it while you're finding your place in Proverbs there. But you remember that in Matthew 11, he's, Jesus said, until the, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. 
and the violent take it by force. I think the word violent kind of throws people sometimes. And really, I'm not sure that that's the only word that could be used. I looked up these words, and really it means forceful. And another translation says it like that. says, uh, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. Who gets things in the kingdom of God? The folk that sit by and sing kumbaya? Or the people that press through the crowd? Hmm? The, the blind men that sit by and just wait and see if it's the will of God? Or the two that get out in the street and scream, Jesus! Jesus! Over here! Son of David! Hmm? I mean, sometimes people make fun of us because they think, well, boy, y'all just, y'all just think y'all have something to do with this. We sure do. We sure do. And you do. Luke talks about, says it like this. The law and the prophets were till John, and since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. Everybody say press. press. If you want healing, what do you got to do? You got to go for it. Amen? If you want uh, God's blessing of prosperity on your life, what do you got to do? Press. press. If you want to see an, an increased anointing on your life, if you want more revelation of the Word, if you want to be used more, you can't just sit by and wait for it to fall on you. Right? Reach for it. You have not. Why? Because you ask not. And remember James went on to say in the, in the passage, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. But let him ask what? Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. In other words, you've got to already have your mind made up. He wants to give it to me. Amen. It's his will to give it to me. Because he that wavers like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. In Proverbs 18, I want you to see something that will help you. This, this could help you in a situation with a family member or a friend. Because uh, people use phrases wrongly. They say, well, we just have to let the will of God happen. We just have to let nature take its course. You ever heard that kind of thing? I'm going to show you in the scripture where that is absolutely not right. In Proverbs, the 18th chapter and the 9th verse, Proverbs 18.9 says, He that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Slothful. Listen to this in the uh, Amplified. He who is loose and slack in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. No, excuse me, I, I read the wrong one. He, he that's loose and slack in his work is brother to him who is a destroyer. And get this now. And he who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is a brother to him who commits suicide. Did you get that? And there's a note in that because, you know, you say, well, where did that come from? It came from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is quoted in the New. And this note says, this verse reads this way in the Septuagint. Its statement squarely addresses the problem of whether one has a moral right to neglect his body and, quote, let nature take its unhindered course. I mean, if cancer attacks your body, what are you supposed to say? Hmm? Are you supposed to say, well, nobody knows why these things happen. We don't know why, but it's, I guess it's just the will of God. Hmm? What do you mean you guess? Don't you know? Well, who can't know? Does the Bible tell us to not be unwise, but to understand what the will... Did I read New Testament Scripture? Is it there? Do we have a job? Now, now let's talk about it. You know, because there's a lot of people who don't believe what I'm saying this morning. Okay? I know that. But let's at least be consistent in what we believe. I've had people get ugly with me because they don't believe in prosperity. They don't believe in healing. Well, you know, I, I, got, a, I got a response. If you, if you don't believe in prosperity, you ought not practice it. Don't be a hypocrite. Right? And if you don't believe in healing, you ought not practice it. Don't be a hypocrite. 
If you believe that sometimes it's God's will for you to be sick. If you believe sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, well, then you've got to find out what it is this time. Right? Get to praying about it. Find out. And if it really is the will of God for you to be sick, then if you go to the doctor and try to get healed, you're being rebellious. You are bucking against the will of God. And if that case, then we ought to go burn these hospitals down because they are trying to get people out of the will of God. You can't have it both ways now, right? Is it or is it not the will of God? If healing is the will of God, then these doctors and nurses are friends. And these hospitals, they're doing good work. They're trying to help people towards the will of God, which is healing. Amen? And if it is the will of God to be healed, then it's all right to fight cancer with every weapon you can get your hand on. Amen? And fight it and fight it. And never give in to it and never say, well, we just have to accept this. No, we don't. I said, no, we don't have to accept this. Everybody say, fight. The good fight of faith. There's stuff in the earth that's not of God. It's of the enemy. And what are we told to do with the things of the enemy? Resist the devil. And he'll just stay right there. Hmm? Resist the devil and he'll flee. But how many understand when people are saying, well, we just don't know whatever. We just want whatever the will of God is. Are they resisting? No, they're just sitting lazily, maybe ignorantly, but passively. And it's a terrible thing that you've got good Christians that love God, just lay up in the bed and give up and die when you could fight. I say, And listen, this is not just a spiritual, but it's not just spiritual. Do you know that there are documented cases of people in the hospital, people that maybe lost a loved one or lost their business that just quit inside and just laid down and wasn't anything wrong with them physically, but in a matter of months was dead? I've read about documented cases of this. And their physicians will tell you all the time. They'll point and say, you know, I don't know how in the world this man over here has lived. He should have been dead six months ago. And then they have somebody died last week. And they think, well, why did he die? He wasn't that bad. There's a lot more to it than just what's wrong in your body. It's what's going on in your spirit. It's whether you give up or whether you fight. Have I got any fighters in here? Yeah. Fight to live. Fight to have the will of God. Fight to see your children have the life they're supposed to live. Amen. Fight. Don't just give up. Don't just lay down and quit. Don't just let the devil run over you and be a doormat and say, well, no, no, no. Say fight. Fight. Turn with me in closing, I think. Luke 17, please. I'll give you something real quick here to how to apply some of these things. Luke, the 17th chapter. Faith is not a static thing. When we're born again, all of us have the capacity to believe. All of us have a measure of faith. But it doesn't just stay that way and everybody's the same thereafter. Everybody's at different levels of faith. And uh, if you feed your faith and use it, it'll grow. If you don't, it'll diminish. Hmm? In Luke 17, let me give you this and we'll make a confession and we'll be completed here. Luke 17. Verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. How many are interested in that yourself? Hmm? And so Jesus said, all right, come over here and let me lay hands on you. Because I have a lot of faith. And I'm going to minister some of my, I'm going to give some of my faith to you. Hmm? That's not how it works. And yet some people try to do that. He said, well, come over here. Let's kneel down. And let's pray and ask God to give you some more faith. 
Hmm? Yet people are doing this, right? Well, uh, you know, one of our phrases in our Friday night sessions is, where's the scripture? For whatever we're doing, where's the scripture for that, for praying for faith? I don't know of any. The Bible said faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But now we're asking another question. All right, that's how it comes. How does it grow? How does it increase? Well, Jesus tells us right here. It's right here. Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, how many believe they had some? That's what he's telling them. They're thinking, we need some more. And basically he said, you don't realize what you got. This faith of God is some potent stuff. Amen? The power of God is some potent, potent thing. How much faith does it take to get healed? The devil will try to tell you that you never have enough. You can feed and feed and read and read and listen and pray and, 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 and have, uh, you know, three trailer loads of faith behind you. And you'll say, do I have enough? He'll say, no. You don't have enough faith yet. It's not just having all this faith. It's using some. Amen. It's, it's like money. How many know you could have $10,000 in, in cash in your pocket and starve to death? Hmm? You could. Unless you pull that out and use it and buy some food with it, it's not going to help you. And some people, bless their hearts, praying and begging for faith. Please, I need some faith. Please give me some faith. The Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. How many understand a grain of mustard seed is the smallest seed? Hmm? What's he saying? Don't focus on having a huge amount. Start using what you got, where you are. Well, I don't feel like I have much. You feel like you got as much as a mustard seed size? Well, sure you do. I mean, you came to church this morning. Amen. How many pray in here? You wouldn't pray unless you had faith. Hmm? If you had no faith at all, you wouldn't pray at all. How many believe you're going to heaven when you die? Let me see. You got faith. How many believe you're born again? You have already believed for one of the greatest things that can happen in the earth. Not just a body repaired, a spirit recreated. Don't tell me you can't believe. Say, I have faith. I have faith. My faith works. He goes on to say, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say, everybody say, say. So faith involves saying, doing some saying, doesn't it? Say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea and it should obey you. Your faith, friend, is precious. It's precious and it's potent and it's powerful. That woman's faith made her whole. Can your faith make your baby's temperature go down? Huh? Yes, it can. Can your faith cause money to come in to pay your bills? Yes. Can your faith cause wisdom and direction to come to you in life? Yes. yes, it can. Your faith. But you've got to use it. Right? You can't just sit by and wait for something to fall on you. Your faith is precious, but you've got to invest it. Invest it into a project. I know when we first started in the ministry, we, we claimed ten partners. Somebody said, why didn't you claim 10000 That wasn't where I was at. Hmm? But I invested my faith. Then I claimed twenty-five. Then a couple of hundred. Then a thousand. Then 10000 You understand what I'm talking about? But you start where you are. First car I believed for. I believed for a good used car. Somebody said, why didn't you just claim a new one? That wasn't where I was at. I mean, it's not just saying something. Can you legitimately expect it to happen? Can you be convinced it's the will of God for you? And can you confidently claim it and expect it to happen? Well, then you invest your faith into it. You take responsibility for expecting this thing. And every idea that tells you that you're not going to be healed, that the money's not going to come, you cast it down. You resist that. And you keep expecting 
for the will of God to be done in your life and you, you actively pursue it. Well, that's using your faith. And here's the thing. When you plant that seed, what's going to happen? When you invest that seed into the ground, how does that seed get bigger? You invest it in something. You plant it in something. It begins to develop. Next thing you know, it pops out of the ground. Then there's branches. Then there's a trunk. And you've got a tree. Well, friend, that's how your faith's going to get bigger. That's how your faith's going to get stronger. You invest it. You start believing to pay off that Sears bill. Somebody say amen. You start believing. That's right. Pay off that Visa card. And I say, well, I don't know, boy. I've run it up so big. Well, just believe God to pay it down. Do wherever you're confident. Somebody say, well, what do I believe for? You've got to find the will of God. You know the will of God is for it to be paid off and you to be free, but then you've got to find out where you're at. Get in the floor, pray, get it settled in your heart, and then get up and claim it. Amen? Amen. Maybe, you don't, maybe your faith's not there to just believe for your whole healing, but you can. I, I went to a hospital one time to sit down by the bedside with a man, and he was getting worse every day, terribly worse. And the doctor said in a couple of days he'll be gone. I, t- I talked to him about faith and talked to him about believing God, and I could tell he, was, he just wasn't at the place to just believe he's going to come up out of this bed. So what do we do? Well, we can still believe somewhere. And so I kept talking to him, and I finally, I said, I said, do you believe, brother, that you and I could pray and believe, and you wouldn't get any worse tomorrow? And I said, well, that ain't much. Hey, it's, it's huge. He's been getting worse every day. So I took his hand. The Bible said, if any two of you agree is touching anything you ask on earth, it'll be done. We prayed. We claimed. Guess what? Tomorrow. He was no worse. Now, he was no better. But he was no worse. You know what we did? We praised God. We had a celebration. Amen. And I said, well, what's that? That's a victory. Amen. He was no worse. But now he's encouraged in his faith. I said, you know what? I believe you and I could pray again, and tomorrow you'd be better. I mean, if God could keep you from getting worse, he could make you better. So he said, I do too. So we prayed. Guess what the next day? He was better. Not a whole lot, but a little. That's victory. We praised God. We shouted. We gave God the glory. So I said, I believe you could be even better tomorrow. He said, I do too. So I didn't get to go back for three days. I called up after after those three days, and they said, he's going home. Well, they said he's going to die just a week ago. Glory to God. How many believe God still answers prayer today? He still responds to faith for those that won't be lazy, those that won't sit idly by. If If you're a person that's going to exercise your faith and take your responsibility, stand up on your feet, please. And say this out loud with me. Let's let's speak before the Lord. Sit out loud. Thank you, Lord. For saving me, me, giving me faith, I can understand, I can can believe, I can can receive, I can can resist. resist. Show me me how to apply my faith. Show me me how to pursue your will. will. I'll lay hold of it. it. I won't quit. I won't won't give up. I I won't be lazy. And I will see your will done in my life. Hallelujah. Just thank Him a little bit. Father, we bless You. We praise You. We give You glory. We give You thanks. Oh, hallelujah.